0: Would you open your Bible to 1 Samuel and then just hold it there? We're going to get to it in a minute. Thank you, Jesus. You there? 1 Samuel chapter 10. Now I want you to hold, literally hold that scripture, whether it's your phone or your iPad or, God forbid, an Android, <laughs> or the physical thing. That's a good one. It's hard to, for me to highlight in my digital one, but I use them all. First Samuel chapter 10. I want you to hold that for a minute. And I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, this is your word. Come and speak to me today. I want to leave here changed by your power, by your word, by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, before we get to the scripture, I want to open this up. Over the next couple of weeks, please don't get offended yet. We're going to be sharing some ghost stories. Anybody like a good ghost story? I never did. We're going to share some ghost stories. These are true stories of people who have had real encounters with a supernatural being. Now, I know that if I were to say that in almost any nation I've ever preached in, that that would be no problem. Completely agreed, except for America. Because there's just something in us that that sometimes, even as Christians, struggles with supernatural encounters even in the church many times we want to keep it right here we want to keep the gospel we want to keep worship we want to keep everything right here but how many of you know the word of god is a supernatural book one man's theory is at the mercy of another man's experience one man's theory is at the mercy of another man's experience we're going to hear some men and women's experiences here over the next few weeks And we hope to make a believer out of you as well. And I pray, and this has been my prayer, that soon, maybe even today, you would have your own ghost story to tell. So I'm going to invite Bill Giorgio, one of the deacons of New Day Church, to come up for a minute and tell his ghost story. Let's welcome Bill.
1: Ghost story. I like that. (laughs) Well, uh, speaking in tongues, I never did it, could never understand it, and I went went to classes to learn it, you know, put your hand on your stomach, say something, and nothing was happening. And when I came back to Texas, uh, I was walking my dog outside between two apartment complexes, and I was just walking. It was cold out and drizzly, and I wanted to get back, and something came over me. And words started coming out of my mouth I had no idea what was going on And it got louder and louder And it was echoing I could hear it echoing I, didn't, I, I was pretty sure it was me I knew it was me And it, it was echoing through everywhere And I'm just going I think it went on for two hours An hour and a half, two hours Just go, go faster and faster Louder and louder and louder And from that point on I can speak in tongues And it's crazy I love it You know, and that's one of my ghost stories. That's good. Is that good enough? That's good, man. (laughs) Thank you. Let's give it up for Bill.
0: (laughs) He might have another one for later on. I'm telling you, as you can already quickly figure out, these aren't just ordinary ghost stories. These are Holy Ghost stories. Today is the day of Pentecost. Ooh. seems like they were a little louder on the day of Pentecost. I said today is the day of Pentecost. We celebrate... The coming of the Holy Spirit. If you follow me on social media, I don't care, it doesn't matter. But if you do, you have probably saw my post this morning. That in the church, we do really good at celebrating Christmas, the first coming of Jesus. And we do a pretty adequate job of Easter, the Resurrection Sunday, as I like to call it. In fact, some people call Resurrection Sunday the Super Bowl for pastors. And that's because everybody gets involved. Everybody's like excited about Easter. But can I tell you, I'm just going to say it, we do a fairly poor job at celebrating the day of Pentecost. And yet its importance is just as important because you see, we wouldn't have Easter without Christmas. Amen. We wouldn't have Easter without Christmas, but I'm also here to tell you we would not have the church without the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was what Jesus pointed his disciples to and said, I'm going to send you another comforter. I will not leave you comfortless and I will not leave you without someone to lead you. He said, I'm going to send my spirit. So don't go and do a minute of ministry. Don't go preach the gospel. Don't go serve the poor. Don't go lay hands on the sick. Not until my spirit comes. Why was that? Because Jesus was up and with them up to that point. But for 10 days, although Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans for 10 days, they were orphans. Now I recognize Jesus was there in spirit, but he would come in power. He would come in power. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. But for those 10 days, they waited. They waited and they waited. And then on the day of Pentecost, the day they could not predict, the day they knew was coming, but they just didn't know which day it was, he came. I said, He came. He came in fire, He came in wind, He came in power, and He came in supernatural ability just like Bill, had been seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I love that part of his story is that he even went to classes. That's great. He even went to classes on it. He even tried the little techniques that they were teaching him and nothing came. And then on an unexpected cold Texas day, that's, in, that's unexpected in itself, but on an unexpected cold Texas day, the Spirit comes in power as he's walking his dog. You know what I want to encourage you with? Your own Holy Ghost story might be in an unexpected place in an unexpected time. My own grandfather, many of you know my story. My own grandfather was baptized in the Spirit at lunch on a work day under his buckboard in 1930-something. As he opens up his lunch, he had been seeking, he had been saved, and then he was been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as he opens up his lunch, he just simply says, Lord, bless my lunch, and the next thing that comes out of his mouth is an unknown language he'd never learned. The power of the Spirit filled him. And for 24 hours, he could not speak in English. My grandmother, who was a great Methodist woman, great Methodist Sunday school teacher, could not understand what he was saying, and she thought he had lost his mind. Thought maybe the fertilizer out in the field had got to him or something. But no, it wasn't the fertilizer. It was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Ghost that encountered him that day. I want to encourage you, stay open. Look at somebody and say, stay open. Stay open to the Holy Ghost that he might encounter you anywhere at any time. And we're going to hear some more of those stories over the next couple of weeks. But I want you to turn your attention now to 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. After God revealed to Samuel the prophet that Saul was going to be king, Saul had a powerful encounter. Listen, and and I'm going to read a few verses here, but I want you to listen to the specificity of exactly what Samuel the prophet spoke to Saul. Can you say that word? I know it's not an easy one. That's why I have to say it slower. But can you say that word specificity? specificity? It's very specific words. That's something the Lord's been speaking to me over the last several weeks and he's been causing me to pray and yearn for specificity in his voice. I don't want to just hear go. I want to hear where to go. I want to, if the Holy Spirit could speak in the Old Testament so specifically, why not today? Why not now? Amen? So let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil. Now this is going to represent today our flask. Of course, we're talking about more like a leather pouch, okay? But they took the flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head... And kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelza on the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, The donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, What shall I do about my son? If you have I mean, any of your Bibles is going to have this, it's going to have quotes. He literally tells him exactly what they're going to say to him. Verse 3, Then you will go up on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. Are you here in this church? Then after that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high places with lyres, timbrels, pipes, harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Verse 7. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. Jesus told the disciples to go and wait. He didn't give them a time. We know that it was ten days. Here, Samuel specifically says to Saul, wait seven days. How many of you know God's in the waiting? That's not part of my message, but I think somebody needs to hear that. God's in the waiting period. God's in the waiting time. Even when you don't always hear in the waiting, he's there. He's speaking. You just got to get quiet sometimes. Let's go on. Verse 9. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart, and all of these signs were fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is it that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? Can I tell you that day, two important things. God changed Saul's heart and he became a different person. Now see, part of the problem with knowing a lot of Scripture is you know how bad Saul did become. But can we pause? Before that time, before Saul decided to walk away from the Lord, look at what happened to Saul. He became a different person. I personally believe that God changed Saul's heart and it was not his will for Saul's heart to go astray. It was God's will for Saul's heart to be changed into a new man, into a different person. That's why the Spirit of God came upon him. Let me tell you, one way you know you've had an encounter with the Holy Ghost is that you will leave changed. Don't tell me you had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and you didn't change. Because that's not the Spirit I serve. When I come into the, into the presence of the Holy, I can't help but be changed. I can't help but be convicted. I can't help but have joy. I can't help but have peace. Something, something always happens when I come into contact with the Holy. And something will happen to you too. I'm not saying that you'll do the same thing I do. I'm not saying you'll do the same thing Saul did even. But something happens. I've I've literally talked to people after being prayed for, after having an altar, I've prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people to be baptized in the Spirit. And we're not just, just talking about that one first experience. We're talking about an encounter with the Holy Spirit. But I've talked to many people, and, and when I talk to them, and they go, I say, what happened? And they say, well, I don't, I don't really know. Sometimes that means I don't know how to describe it. But sometimes it literally means I don't know. And i got to tell you, if you're in that place of I don't know, get back into his presence. You may not be able to describe it, but you'll know that something has happened. You see, the Holy Ghost came powerfully upon Saul, the word powerfully, watch this, is translated in the word of God 49 times. This will blow your mind. That word upon powerfully is translated 49 times as prosper or prosperous. You didn't expect that, did you? Powerfully is actually described the majority of times as prosperous or prosper. I guess we better grab onto that prosperity gospel, huh? Well, at least the right one, amen? See, what happens is when you come in into an encounter with the Holy Spirit, your soul will prosper. Something positive is going to change in you. Something positive is going to happen to you. The other 15 times or so is translated come mightily to rush upon or good, or I like this one, breakout, breakout. In other words, when the Holy Ghost came upon Saul, he came powerfully with good things in his favor. Why are we so afraid of encounters with the Holy Spirit? i, I got to ask this question. I know that, that maybe we're a little different in some way than some churches, not all churches. We're not the cream of the crop. We're not the, I, that's not about it. We're about the body of Christ. But it does amaze me when I get into conversation with some, certain segments and certain people and we start talking about the Holy Spirit. And for some reason, we always got to talk about the weird things. Why is that almost always the first place we go? Well, we don't want to be weird. We don't want to be strange. Why are we afraid of encounters with the Holy Spirit? When you come into the presence of God, he does not want to harm you. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to give you good things. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about physical, like money and stuff. That's fine, but that's the lowest level. He wants to touch you. He wants to bring hope. He wants to bring joy. He wants to fill you with love and peace. And the last time I checked, that's better than money any day of the week. It's all right if you join in. (laughs) When you encounter the Holy Ghost, you will be better for it. You see, in Saul, there was a physical reaction to a spiritual action. There was a physical reaction to a spiritual action. Saul began to prophesy with the prophets. Now you know that know me that I believe that the prophetic is here today. It's real, it's active, it's for the current body of Christ. The prophets are here today. And what happens in prophecy is according to 1 Corinthians 13, that, that, excuse me, 14, that we should all desire the spiritual gifts, but above all else, we should desire to prophesy. And I'm not going to go into all of the reasons why today. But when, when prophecy, when true prophecy comes forth through believers, it is for encouragement. It is for building up. It is for direction and confirmation. And this week, the Right Reverend Joseph Franklin—I can call him that now—had a Holy Ghost story of his own, and I want him to share that with you. Come on,
2: awesome! It was—it uh, was super, just relaxed, and um, we were on. It was a, during the Wednesday service. And they have like an encounter service, and so. It was during one of the times of worship and they're just worshiping and going to different stations, doing different stuff. People all around the room doing some different stuff and I was sitting there talking to my uncle's new worship pastor and just just chatting with him, you know, just hearing about his life, hearing about who he was and is and I was we were talking about his son and then all of a sudden I was like, "Hey, do you do you guys have a little girl? Like do you guys want a little girl?" And they were like, he was like, "Yeah, Like, yeah, we would love to have a little girl someday. Like, that would be incredible. He's like, I said, I feel like she's just going to be like a, have a super compassionate heart and just be really pastoral. And God's going to, she's going to have like a pastoral anointing on her heart and in her life to just pastor people and love people and reach out and empathy and what have you. And so he's like, no way. He's like, you've got to tell that to my wife. So his wife like comes back from doing the station that she was doing. and And I tell her that and I say that, all that to her. And she just starts to tear up and just to cry. It turns out that they had, but they had their son. They had two miscarriages before their son. Then they had their son. Then they've had six miscarriages since. They've tried six times, and it hasn't happened six times. They've tried. But God, three years ago, spoke to them and gave them a name of a little baby girl, and they're going to name her Shepherd. And I just, in, in just a conversation, just every day, just chatting, said, hey, I feel like this is what God's saying, and God's, God's calling you. Shepherd and pastor are often, you know, translated the same in the Bible, and they're, you know, people just switch them back and forth. So I was like, come on, Jesus. So my mom's standing right there, or sitting right there, so she just comes up. I'm like, mom, come on. So we just pray for them and believe God for them to have a baby, and then... The next speaker gets up there to speak, and what do you think that speaker spoke on? How she couldn't have a baby, and then all of a sudden, God came through. She had a miscarriage of the, of, the physical miscarriage of the heart, and then years later, she thought she was sick, and she was in so much pain, and she found out she was pregnant. And they just, they just both looked at each other and looked at me and just were dumbfounded and said, Look at God. How amazing is God that he just orchestrated that from a very simple, ordinary conversation and just he knows their heart. And so that's it. Amen. You see, sometimes prophecy, we think
0: prophecy happens when somebody gets up on a stage. It's, let say it, the Lord, and, you know, begins to do that. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that does happen. Agabus stood up among the believers in the New Testament and even prophesied a famine. So I'm not saying it's always good news. But sometimes it's good news because if you know a famine's coming, guess what you can do? Prepare for the famine. God even says, I want to prepare you for this. You see, just like Pastor Joe got up and, and, and wasn't standing up, he was literally sitting in a row just like this, chairs just like this. Just sitting next to him in the middle of a service. Just there was some time and people were just talking. he just begins to chat and the Holy Spirit speaks. Can I tell you why desire is that prophecy would become as free flowing and as simple as having a conversation? Have you ever had that happen? Literally, you're talking to someone and you and I tell you, he knew it. I've known it. Many of you have known it when the conversation switched from the natural to the supernatural. When something was different. And you know what my desire is? I desire that this happens at McDonald's. Though I don't like McDonald's. But I happen, I'd, I'd rather it happen at Chick-fil-A. But wherever I'm at, I want the Holy Spirit. This is my desire. And i got to be honest with you. This doesn't happen a lot for me. And yet the word of God is true. And so if the word of God tells me to desire to prophesy, then I can prophesy in church and out of church. I can prophesy at Chick-fil-A, AutoZone, Sam's, wherever I'm at, that prophetic can flow. And why do people need that? Because people need Jesus. One of the famous examples of the prophetic flowing to an unbeliever is Jesus with the woman at the well. She's sitting there and they're having a conversation. Then they get into a nice little religious debate, and he goes, Enough with the debate. You've got five husbands. And she says, Who told you that? God revealed it to Jesus at that moment because Jesus in that time was walking in the Spirit. He didn't rely on his Godhood from heaven, and that's a whole other thing. But he was relying on the presence of God to speak to him, for the Father to speak to him. And at that moment, the Father whispered in his ear. The Holy Spirit came and said, "She's got five. she's had five husbands. And by the way, the one you're with is not even your husband. Specificity. Can we just stop for a minute, close our eyes? And only if, please, if you don't want this, don't ask for it. (laughs) But if you want it, every eye closed, would you just lift your hands and say, Holy Spirit, I want that. I want to speak words of life, hope, healing, even warning at times to bring people to hope, life, and healing. God, I want you to use me in the specific ways that only you know a person's heart. God, every one of our hearts are laid bare before you. You know the innermost secrets of every individual. God, in those times, would we be bold? Would I be bold enough to speak up, to speak out, And to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. If Saul, King Saul, who was reluctant to prophesy, prophesied, how much more should we who desire to prophesy, prophesy? I'm not trying to make you confused but if he was reluctant he didn't want it you know where they found him 7 days later samuel comes in ready to announce his kingship and where do they find saul hiding in the luggage they said where is he in fact <laughs> i didn't put it in here but it's it is quite humorous literally They had to pray and ask the Lord to speak to them where Saul was hiding. He was in such a good hiding place. And they said, he's among the luggage. That's how reluctant he was, and yet God spoke through him anyway. How much more, as we as believers, should be open to what God wants to do and speak. I want you to now turn to the New Testament quickly, to Acts chapter 9. We're going to hear one more ghost story here. Acts chapter 9. This one, we're moving from King Saul to Saint Saul. It says in Acts chapter 9, and and I'm not going to read the whole thing as I was planning, but, but you can go back and read it later. This is Saul's encounter with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, where Jesus literally appeared to him. Look at verse 3. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. And that's a powerful encounter, but really we could call this not only St. Saul's ghost story, but also Ananias. Because it goes in, and it says in verse 10, In Damascus there was a disciple, named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Did you hear what the spirit told Ananias? He said, I'm going to tell you that I've already appeared to Saul in that three-day fast, and I've appeared to him and said that there's a man named Ananias. Now, can you imagine if Ananias said no? God would have to go and find another Ananias somewhere to bring him to Saul. I'm sure Saul was pretty hungry and thirsty by now. So I'm glad that Ananias said yes. But he specifically told Ananias what Paul was seeing in his vision and he said, it's you. Don't you wish God would do that? I do. It'd make it a lot easier. When I show up and start saying crazy things to somebody, if God had already told them that I was going to show up and say crazy things to them, right? (laughs) Let's keep going. Verse 13, Lord, Ananias responded, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias started pushing back. Whoa, whoa, hey, hey, hold up, Lord. Isn't this the guy that's murdered people? Isn't this the guy that's putting people in prison? And that's the reason I'm at my house. I'm locked up hoping he doesn't show up. And now you're telling me to go to him? But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And you've got to be here on Wednesday nights for us to go into deep and why that was and everything else. But let's keep going to verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, I want you to see that. Scripture does not waste one word. He didn't just say, okay, Saul, you murdering, you know. What did he call him? He called him brother. The brother who's murdered my brothers. He didn't even qualify him there. He qualified him for who God qualified him for. He said, brother, Mm, that we would do that more. Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, Has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He had his hands on him. He's speaking over him, even prophesying by calling him a brother. And right here, immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. Now, we can easily infer from what he just spoke that the baptism here, yes, he got baptized in water at some point, but he literally stood up and was baptized in the Holy Spirit at that moment. Boom. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. But I want you to see something. One more thing. Look at verse 20. He spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name? I want you to see something, just a little difference between King Saul and St. Saul. King Saul had the Holy Ghost come powerfully upon him. St. Saul had the Holy Ghost come powerfully in him. I don't want to get too deep into theology, but this is a basic difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. When the Holy Spirit came upon someone in the Old Testament, it was for a specific time, a specific reason, and he would come upon him for that time. That's why you can see a man like Samson, so powerful in the Spirit and then so wicked in sin at times. Why? Because the Holy Spirit would come upon him for a specific time and a specific season. But in the New Testament, everything changed with Jesus. Now we are not just anointed upon, but we're anointed in. We have gone from the out. To the end from literally outside in the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within every new believer. And then when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, he comes out of us and baptizes us completely and pours out through us. In the Old Testament, just seven days after Saul encountered the Holy Ghost, he was hiding. We don't know the exact time, but it does say immediately. Everybody say immediately. Immediately, In the New Testament, Saul, within just a very short time, was preaching the gospel on the streets. That's a difference. That's the difference. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, there's a reaction. But when the Holy Ghost comes in you, there's a reaction and a change of action. Let me say that again. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you and touches you and you get a little, as my, as my um, dad used to say, a little dab will do you. I think it came from some ad or something. But no, he said that that's just a little dab. Then there will be a reaction. There will be some change on the outside that's physical or something will happen. But when he comes in you, there is a change. There is a reaction, but there's also a change of action. The Bible says refers to the Holy Spirit in several ways. Water, oceans, wind, fire. One that we don't talk about a lot is new wine. It is recorded in each gospel that Jesus said this. I'm going to take mine from Luke chapter 5. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wine wine skins. As new wine is an example of the Holy Spirit of God, we have to understand that new wine can only be put into new wine skins. In other words, the Spirit of God cannot live in your old heart, in your old life. Otherwise, quite literally, you will explode. (laughs) When we say... Holy Spirit, come. But we don't have a new heart yet. They don't mix. They don't mix. There have been those that have claimed that they were filled with the Spirit of God, but they preach another Jesus. There are even some who say they speak in tongues, but they preach another gospel. I'm here to tell you that's an old wineskin trying to have new wine in it. And it ain't even the Holy Ghost. You see, in order to have this powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, you first got to have a new heart. You first got to have a new life. The disciples were already saved when the Holy Spirit was poured out in them and through them. Cornelius, had come to Christ and begun to serve God before the Holy Spirit was poured out on him and he began to speak in other tongues along with his whole household. I can go example by example by example. But here's the thing. If you want to have encounters with God, you can have little encounters. Listen, I've heard... (laughs) I can't tell you how many testimonies I've heard. Awesome testimonies. I've heard many testimonies where people talked about encounters with God before they came to Christ. That's a loving God. But they said, but that didn't change them. What changed them was God's love. What changed them was accepting the free gift of eternal life. And then once they received the free gift of eternal life, things began to happen. I I just overheard, so I don't have authority to tell it. But Joseph, the couple he was talking about, I heard a little bit of their testimony. They had powerful encounters with God before they were ever saved, when they were living in sin. But they didn't change until their heart was changed. That's when everything happened. And I'm here to tell you... (laughs) God wants to pour out his spirit in your life. There's one more thing I'd like to say. New wine is the gateway drug to the spirit filled life. (laughs) New wine (laughs) is the gateway drug to the spirit filled life. I I, I don't I don't want to become political, I just want to become a parent at this point. Marijuana is stupid. God forbid that Texas ever follow the way of many other states, but I'm afraid it will at some point. Why? Because I was a youth pastor for a lot longer than I was a pastor, and I know that marijuana is the gateway drug to every other bad drug. It is. It's simple. You say, how can you compare the Holy Spirit to something like that? Well, the Word of God says don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And I'm telling you, when you are baptized in the Spirit, it opens up a whole new world. There are gifts waiting for you. There are operations waiting for you. There are things waiting for you that it will open up to you. But once you're saved, once you're filled with the Spirit, it just opens up a new world. Don't go, well, I got saved. I got my spirit language, so I'm good now. I don't need to grow anymore. No. Keep growing Keep moving. Keep seeking. Keep going after God. Go after God with everything you've got. You got time for one more story? Good. Then we're going to pray. I remember a man in our church. He's still alive today. A man in the church I grew up in. I remember one day... He was talking to Brother True. Brother True was our Brother Gary. The only difference is, is that Brother True had a pocket full of candy. For my kids' sake, I'm glad Brother Gary doesn't follow in those footsteps, but I know he sneaks my kids some candy from time to time. Anyway, I still love him. But Brother True had candy for every kid that came through, so guess who was the favorite person in the church? The pastor? No. Brother True. He was the favorite among us kids. And I remember I was in my late teens. I was just become the youth pastor of the church and I was walking through on an assignment for my pastor. And as I was walking through the foyer, I kind of slowed down because I heard this man talking to Brother True and Brother True looked at him and said, you know, I sit out here waiting for people to come, greeting people as they go to Sunday school and, and just being here for the kids and things like that. But I noticed you sit out here with me Day after day, not greeting people, just sitting here talking. And we have great story times, and we talk. But I wonder, and he named his name, why don't you ever go to Sunday school like the rest of the adults? And this is what this man said. I've heard all those stories. I know all those stories. I could teach them myself. And I love this man. I still do this day. But there was something that God taught me in that moment I said, God, don't ever let me get tired of the stories. Don't ever let me get tired of your word. Don't ever let me think that I have arrived and I've learned enough that I don't need to receive from another. Can I tell you that's where the body of Christ many times, especially in Pentecostal and charismatic circles, have come to. We say, we've arrived, we're good. Can I tell you there's always more? There's always more. There's more levels of his love. There's more grace. There's more power. There's more authority. There's more gifts. I think I heard Steve Hill say this one time. He said, if your shadow is not healing the sick, you might want to keep going after God. Can you stand with me right now? Susan, would you mind coming to the keyboard? Here's what I want to end this today. As I said earlier, I said it with reason. Is that if you've got an old heart and you've still got your old sinful life and you're trying to have encounters with God, they're just going to spill out and going to be wasted in your life. Those encounters that you're having with God are to lead you to repentance. They're to lead you to faith. Sinners can have amazing encounters with God. But it's the saints who get to keep them and walk in them. If today in this house, in this place, you came on this Pentecost Sunday, and you've heard some of these stories and you long to have encounters with God, but you know your heart is not where it should be, we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray for you. We're going to ask God to come and touch your heart, to change your heart from an old heart to a new heart, to change your life from an old life to a new life in Christ. And the way you do that is is you receive the free gift of eternal life. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You didn't do anything to gain it. You didn't do any work to get it. God did it all. The only thing you have to do is receive, repent of your old ways, believe in your heart and with, confess with your mouth and you will be saved. So if that's you today and you say, Pastor, I want to have encounters with God, but I know my heart is not in the right place. And I want God to change it. To change me. Would you raise your hand? Amen. 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 Anyone else? Put your hands down. Would you pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you today. I want to serve you. I want to know you. But first I must receive you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of hurting others and hurting you. Jesus, I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. I believe in you, Jesus. I receive your free gift of eternal life in Jesus' name. Fill me with your spirit so that I may serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Can we rejoice right now? (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want to do this. I want to have a physical action, and I'm believing for a spiritual reaction. If you say in this place, say, number one, I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've never experienced the true understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but today I want to. Or number two, you say, I'm at a place where I know I'm saved. I know I'm following God, but I know I'm not walking in the fullness of the things of the Spirit. I'm not saying that, that, that you don't have struggle or doubt. That's, that's one thing, okay? And I'm saying, you say, I want to walk in the fullness and in the power of the spirit of the living God. That I want you to come and I'm going to anoint you with oil today. And I'm going to believe that God is going to do something supernatural. So this is what I'm going to ask. The hour is not late. But would you give me five minutes? And the reason that I want you to give me five minutes is I want you to pray. I want you to pray and maybe you have someone up here that's going to come up and and you want to come and stand behind them and agree together with them. Maybe you're at a place in your life where where you're walking with God and, you know, you're seeing things happen and you want to come and agree with others. And I want you to do that. You can do it from your chair. You can do it from up here. But if you say, I want to be baptized in the spirit or I want to go after the things of God, I want to walk in the fullness of everything he has for me. I may be baptized in the spirit, but I want to walk in the fullness. I want to go deeper than just salvation and baptism in the spirit. Then I want you to come. Come on right now. Come right now.